at SifPop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sip Pop Writer Joe. Hey, Harry. What's up, man? As well as Evan. Hey. Uh, we are at SipPop.com. Do movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure to check out SipPop.com to keep up with all that. I think, I think, uh, as we're recording, the BEC went live today. Joe, you got a chance to write about your favorite superhero, right? Oh, uh, about Lita? Battle Angel? Oh, you wrote, a, you wrote Alita. Somebody wrote the first Avenger. Oh, yeah, yeah. So- yeah, I didn't. I probably would have been the first one to snag that. That would have came up. Uh, I just for me, always but, assume. Yeah, but someone someone scooped it up, and yeah, no, I, I really love Alita Battle Angel, so it was a good, it was a good like yeah. secondary choice for me. I think, and we've talked about Alita before too. Yeah, uh, I really love that movie. Rowan Rowan stole your opportunity, your chance to talk about Captain America. Um, but yeah, uh, so Joe wrote wrote on that, um, and uh, so that's the best ever body transformation movies. Um, and Evan. Uh, not putting you on the spot, just like yo, know, it's been it's been kind of crazy. What's what's the last like big thing you remember doing? Last big thing, uh, I'm sorry. In terms of, I just something on the site that people can maybe go like try to find. I mean, you could always search oh, Evan's name. Yeah, I mean, I've that. actually done that before because I mean, I'm an egomaniac. Uh, but no, the I don't know what was it a week or two ago. I uh, I got the first spot for Netflix original movies. Yeah, I did because I got. Yeah, I did it for Inside. Which, oh yeah. Quick plug: if anyone is listening to this and has not seen it on YouTube yet, Bo Burnham dropped an extra hour worth of content that he just like recorded and just didn't make it into the special. And it's not like bloopers. It's not like it's not behind the scenes. It's literally just imagine he just would have <laughs> had these in there, but he was trying to hit a certain time. Yeah, it's a director's and cut, right? Kinda. I mean, do you think that they'll it, release like a director's cut? I mean, I could. I'd be interested to see in how he would do that, just mm-hmm. due to I don't know how he decided where to put what song and what time. Um, you know, obviously there are certain ones that start or end the the special, but the middle stuff. But I don't know. I know that he's going to come out with like a deluxe edition for his album. I think it, it came so. out today as we're recording. Yeah. So listen to that. Watch the YouTube video. That's an hour long. Uh, it is. Or gold. I love it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's. I guess the big thing was uh, on Sip Pop for me was writing about Inside, and sure enough, he surprised us days later with an extra hour. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I just I also feel like yeah, not trying to put you on the spot. Like you know, Evans Evans a busy person, and we all are busy. So uh, not anyway. Um, there is something you can check out on the side over there. So um, yeah. Might have seen his name in there recently. Uh, on the podcast today, we're going to talk about the coming attraction. Well, we'll give our thoughts on Jurassic World Dominion coming out this uh, week. And then we will um, move on to our SIF topic, talk about comic book movies. Uh, we just got Scott Pilgrim versus the World today. It's, it's, um, it's, it, it, it'll be, it's a hard movie to pair with anything else. So um, we're just doing one movie. And honestly, that's refreshing. Um, because I didn't even get a chance to see that one because I'm so busy right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, after that, we will talk about best ever ensemble casts. Um, just we did that on TV recently, but yeah, this is undoubtedly one of the best ensemble casts there is. Like I was telling the guys before the show that I thought about like let's do a fantasy cast for this, but like the fantasy cast is is the same people. 
especially like Anna Kendrick still looks the same and Aubrey Plaza still looks the same and Michael Sarah still looks the same. Like there's no reason you have to recast anybody. Um, so plus, plus anyway, they just they looks, are. they look so similar and familiar to their actual characters in the comic books. Like, like yeah, they're, all, they're well cast. Yeah, all three of the casting directors. Yeah. They deserve an award for what they, what they pulled off. For sure. I'm sure they did get some somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, we'll talk about, uh, we'll do a best ever style, BEC style, uh, best ever challenge style for ensemble casts. Uh, so we'll give our number five to number one with Trump rules and honorable mentions and all that. And then we'll wrap up with a spinoff, uh, all that. But first, uh, let's get a chance to uh, familiarize ourselves with our writers. So you guys have both been on the show. Joe's a monthly guest. Evans is on the, the regular rotation for the other writers. Um, I, guys, I want to know, we are, it really feels like with with Doctor Strange and Top Gun, like we're in blockbuster season. Like it's it's June now, so like we're clearly in summer blockbuster season. We're we're definitely a little bit into it. I don't. What was the one that would have kicked it off? Like a, I mean, the Batman was in March. That's not summer. That's spring. Like you know, it, it keeps creeping in earlier and earlier, doesn't it? It does, but like yeah. that's good because like then you know it's not like the Batman and then Top Gun the next, like it gives these movies a chance to breathe and make some money as well as like my schedule to breathe a little bit. Like me, does it feel like it feels like Dr. Strange might've been the last like spring movie and Top Gun might've been the first like big summer blockbuster. Is that fair? Yeah, so, I, th- so, I think that's, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I re- always, I remember back in like high school thinking summer started in May yeah. With that first weekend. Yeah, Avengers know, that, or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, even before then, you know, you got X-Men, you had Spider-Man coming out like uh-huh. way before the Avengers. And it was always that like, you know, senior skip day, Friday, early May uh, thing. But now, like you said, it's uh, or, you know, it's creeping in there. So if we're going by May standards, then, yeah, Doctor Strange really kicks it off as the summer. I, I think Morbius took it in April, but. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. I have to keep s- the meme alive. Yeah, I don't want to say that name too much because I don't want Sony to get any ideas about giving a sequel to a movie oh, that I still haven't seen yet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, back, I, what, it's back in theaters again just because of a meme campaign. Yeah. 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 yeah don't do not do that with Sony. Yeah. All right. We, we can no longer say the Morbius on the pod. We've hit our, our quota. Oh, you did it again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, uh, so so anyway, what is what is the one movie this summer? It doesn't necessarily have to be a blockbuster either. But what is what is the one movie that you are most excited about the next coming months? Uh, you can start with Red. Sorry. Oh yeah, no sorry. Uh, so I got two on there. So I'll say I'm guessing someone else will say the other one. So I'll say Bullet Train is the nice. one I'm most interested in seeing. Uh, just because the trailer, I try to avoid trailers a bit. I'm not like completely, you know, going crazy trying to keep my ears and eyes shut um, unless it's like a Nolan film or, you know, if there's something that I know, like, all you have to say is the name, the date, and I will be there. Then I try to, like, hum it out. Uh, But the bullet train just looks like a complete ball. Uh, Brad Pitt looks like you're going to get a lot of that, like, charismatic, Mm -hmm. like, but also kind of badass. Uh, I love the idea of being stuck on a train with a bunch of assassins and or other guys that are basically at his level. Uh, the the scene in the trailer where he's got they're in the silent or the uh, the quiet uh, train, <laughs> the quiet room, or the, yeah, the yeah. quiet room, the quiet, the quiet car. car, and uh, they have to fight quietly or they have to keep it all under you know in such a confined space. They have to do what they're trying to do and not be caught. 
and play by the rules that exist within this train mm-hmm. just seems hilarious and such a fun idea. So yeah, that's that's the one I'm most intrigued to see just out of what am I going to get out of this. That one looks like a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see that one too. And that's one that the trailers come on and I get giddy and I look at my wife and she's like, I don't know why you want to see that. I'm like, because it looks amazing. And director of John Wick, she's like, okay, you can go without me. And I'm like, but you like John Wick. Like, anyway, what about you, Joe? Yeah, yeah, the, the kind of springboard of uh, Bullet Train. Yeah, that was on my list as well. Um, I love big stylish action movies like John Wick and like Kill Bill. Like s- stuff like that really uh, intrigues me. Um, but for me, um, probably top of the list. I mean, it's, it's pretty transparent. Probably Thor, Love, and Thunder. Mm. Um, it looks amazing. It looks like it's like kind of jumping off of what Taika already created with Thor Ragnarok. Uh, in my eyes, he could do no wrong with now he does like small indie films when he first started like Boy to like big budget films. Like the guy just knocked out every time. And the cast looks like they're having a lot of fun, uh, just like they did in the prior movie. Yeah, so I'm super stoked for it. Uh, yeah, it looks like they're once again kind of leaning into like the Jack Kirby colorful, like crazy cosmic stuff. Uh, I know a lot of people like to talk about like, oh, it looks like there's CG everywhere. I was like, well, how else are you going to create a world like this? Like, <laughs> it just needs to be an explosion of CGI and like colorful sure. uh, stuff. Sure. Now. So. Yeah, yeah, there was, excited behind, the, yeah, there was a behind the scenes of like a uh, of No Way Home when Peter goes to like the Sanctum, and it's shown that that's all CG. That like building was all just a blue screen, and like Tom Holland just walks towards a blue screen. Everything's CG. This one's just more poppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah just, it's almost like when when is Marvel going to create their own like version of the volume from the Mandalorian and like just shoot shoot every literally everything on us. I mean, I don't right. want that. <laughs> I mean, it would be nice because then you don't have like the set leaks because like Im- imagine not knowing time travel was going to be involved for Avengers Endgame because there was the photo leaks. But like, you know, it just it, 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 it would be nice for that. But like you definitely do lose out on this, the smallest bit of real. Right. So and, and it can can limit in some ways what goes on but anyway i'm just i'm curious curious when either the first star wars or marvel film is going to be shot in the equivalent of a volume we'll see um uh my 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 one i am most excited about is the black phone this it's getting incredible rave reviews um it, it, it really feels like we're at the, on that like top gun maverick train right now um, like where like nobody's been able to stop talking about how good Top Gun Maverick is for the last like two weeks because lots of people saw it first and it's great. Like trust, like I I really like it. Um, uh, you know, talk more about that in a second. But um, but yeah, it's it, it really feels like people were kind of like oh Top Gun. I'm kind of sick. I've seen the trailer for a while and the reviews come out and everybody's like oh oh this is really good. This is really really good. And then everybody was else was like yeah. It is, and then now it's like you you see it, and it just it feels like the black phone has been building up this hype. Like it got pushed back to the summer because the test audiences received it so well. I I love Scott Derrickson. I I love his direction, and I am surprised that a horror movie is the one that I'm most excited about. But that trailer just captivates me, and I love love Scott Derrickson. So um, yeah, that's my that's that's my number one most excited. I want to mention one movie as an honorable mention just because I was yeah. expecting it and it didn't happen. So I want to like correct myself. Nope. Nope is yeah. looks completely insane. So that's yeah. the other one that I'm. That was on my list too. That was like my number two. I was going to briefly mention it as well. Yeah. Like anything Jordan Peele does. Yeah. I'm, I'm already, I'm already in there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, if we were to make a list of, like, top five or, or like, any movie you're excited about, like, for sure, I'm really excited about Note, but there's something there's something about the Black Phone. I mean, like, you know, because there's also, it, 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 like, remember when Edgar Wright left Ant-Man and you're like, he's going to come up mm-hmm. with something really cool next. And then he made Baby Driver, which yeah. is my favorite <laughs> Edgar Wright film. Like, it, you just know, and obviously two pretty controversial cast members and main roles in that movie. But, like, you know, aside from all that, like, and, and it just feels... <laughs> Like every time something like this happens, like uh, didn't like Sam Raimi left Spider Man three. What was the next thing he did? Uh, was that uh, he didn't leave Spider Man three? He left Spider Man four. Sorry, left Spider Man four. Um, and like, what was the next thing? I mean, was he like producing Evil Dead reboot? Was it Drag Me to Hell? It might have been. Like, I was thinking Drag Me to Hell. Was that or Devil? Know. Maybe no. Devil was no. Devil was uh, might uh, produced. I mean. Yeah, but um, I think it was Drag Me to Hell, and that was really interesting. Like I was, and a lot of people consider it his best horror work like it just, it just when when directors leave projects because they're frustrated and then they go make something incredible i mean not gonna say that army of the dead counts in that um army of the dead is what it is but it's not it's not like it's fine but it's not like you know you're just like oh like and snyder left for a difference but um but yeah it's just like you ever like when, when directors get frustrated and then they go and they're like i'm gonna do something original and like blumhouse is just awesome like, there's just something about like Scott Derrickson, like, left Doctor Strange 2 out of, like, mild, like, from what I understand, mild frustration. I don't know the story. I, I'm not buddies with him. Who knows? Uh, but he still has an EP credit. So, um, you know, to, to come and make this passion project, and I'm, I'm just thrilled to see it. So The Edgar Wright uh, comparison is, like, spot on. That's yeah. why it makes sense. Why you would be excited. Well, and... And like Sinister in horror films, like <laughs> I know. Well, and, and Sinister is one of my favorites. So, like, yeah, that's a good um, so like I think uh, like Cabin in the Woods and Zombieland and um, like all of those like weird inter- like pseudo horror Shaun of the Dead. Those ones are like my favorite. The ones that are like more a comedy than they are a horror. They're just kind of like genre bending, right? Genre bending. Like I don't really like just straight horror movies very much, but like Alien and Sinister and The Shining and like. I like other ones a lot. Like I really like the Night House from a couple years ago, and I adore Last Night in Soho. Um, I don't care that everybody else isn't high on it. I adore that movie. Um, so, it's, but it's just one of those like because I love Sinister so much. That that's another reason for me to get excited. Like, oh, that guy that did that movie that I really liked, that one horror movie. Like he's doing another one. Like, yes, please. Yeah. We shall so. not speak of the sequel that he had nothing to do with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never saw that one, and I have no intention of seeing. Yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> that's what I've been told. But that first one is just that first one's really amazing. Uh, all right. Well, then, uh, one random question before we moved on something totally not related, uh, guys. I want to know what is your favorite class that you took in college. Or high school, I guess. I don't know. The random questions I've already said, said college. What is, what, just what's your favorite class you've taken? So mine, I would say, uh, I don't know. I took like a sci-fi film class after uh, I had a job end. And I just was kind of like in between jobs. And mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to get back into like focusing on writing and stuff like that. So I went to community college, took some courses, just kind of get that going. And... The sci-fi class was fun because, you know, they were watching old movies. You know, we watched like uh, Metropolis and, you know, worked our way forward. And the weird thing was that I was about 30 at the time. And so you're getting like, you know, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, you know, kids coming into the class. 
and making statements like the prequels are great. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to smash you guys on your opinions. I'm I've, I've learned to just try and live by enjoying. And if other people like things, I'll try and let you, if you ask my opinion, I might not agree, but I'm not going to like jump on someone for liking something because if it does something for them, that's, that's all it's for. Uh, but it was really interesting taking that class, writing about, you know, science fiction, uh, writing about like, you know, time travel or basically making a uh, oral speech about nonlinear storytelling and Christopher Nolan plugging over and over and over as a joke in the speech uh, that the film was coming out, uh, the Tenet was coming out on June 21st, 2001, uh, 20 or 21, whatever it was. Uh, and yeah, the time is... I know flux. Time it's not linear now. Yeah, it's it's all non-linear now. Uh, but the you know, obviously that didn't happen. It didn't come out that time. Um, uh, yeah, no, it, it came it out got like bumped. yeah, not much, but it yeah, like August yeah. I think. Yeah, but the uh, you know just giving it shout-outs and stuff like that, and then also being super bummed out to know that that movie uh, was not high up on my on my shelf of uh, of love. But anyways, yeah, that that course was just fun because. Watching old, you know, old sci-fi films, catching up on stuff that I might not have had a reason to go back and watch. Uh, the original day, that, uh, the day that Earth stood still, and getting to hear people that are like ten years younger than me, or slightly younger than that, uh, and some, you know, wide range of ages in between. But the uh, getting that discussion was really fascinating. Man, you said the the day the Earth stood still. Are we just going to reference every Scott Derrickson movie today? Well, I'm talking about the first one. I'm talking about like the one from like the fifties. Yeah, I know. I just, yeah, I know he made the the sequel or directed. Yeah, I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, what about you, Joe? Yeah, for me, it'd have to be uh, a watercolor course. I think it was a two part course that I took in junior college. Uh, the, the teacher or instructor, uh, John Comazar, was just really great. Um, he kind of let us paint whatever we wanted to paint as long as we like utilize the technique that he taught us. So you get a wide variety of subject matter, like people would paint like, landscapes, people would be really good at painting characters and like and so forth, um, like still lifes. So it was just a really fun course where you got to kind of like, you had the creative uh, nature to it, but you also learned a lot as far as technique went. Plus like, I love watercolor because it's such a, it's kind of a free flowing thing, but like if you make a mistake, you kind of make a mistake. It's not like oil where you could just paint on top of it. So it's it's weird. It's got this weird kind of double-edged sword uh, kind of aspect to it. So I've always really loved uh, watercolor as a result of those courses I took. Um, nice. So yeah, I'd have to say that that was pretty nice. Um, I, I, I think I could say one of any like six or seven courses. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, because I'm a nerd and because of the like type of college I went to, um, a, a class that I took in uh, graduate school was um it's called theology of the holy spirit and since i went to a bible college and all that like of course there's that element but it's just one of those things that like even christians don't really know what to do with like the notion of the holy spirit so it's just one of those to finally just be able to explore and ask questions freely and um i just i learned a lot and um yeah i, I well, i'll i'll just kind of leave that at that because i know this isn't the aaron talks Wilson podcast nor does aaron want that kind of podcast but um <laughs> 
after yeah, it's hours. Just, after hours, sure. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's just a really it was really insightful, and uh, the the professor was uh, really knowledgeable. And again, just like one of the things that you don't get the most in in context is like safe spaces to talk about things that you're completely unsure of that are like potentially groundbreaking. And uh, that class wasn't to do that, so really appreciate that. So, um, all right, let's talk about uh, Jurassic World Dominion, shall we? Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> I love so the enthusiasm com- there. <laughs> this is coming out this week, and uh, four years after the destruction of uh, of Isla Nubar, dinosaurs now live and hunt alongside humans all over the world. The fragile balance, uh, the fragile balance, will reshape the future and determine once and for all whether human beings are to remain the apex predators on a planet they now share with history's most fearsome creatures in a new era. This is the sixth film in the Jurassic Park franchise. It is doing the X-Men Days of Future Past thing where they're reuniting the old original trilogy cast and the new trilogy cast. That's kind of the synopsis. That's kind of what we're dealing with. And um, I I did make a little bit of change to the anticipation level scale. Um, We're going to just break it down to a four. I wanted to break it down to a three, but I think there is a new level in here. Um, we're going to break it down instead of being opening weekend and matinee. We're just going to lump that together with theaters because, um, I've never really been super satisfied with how that sounds. Cause again, you go to a matinee to maybe save a couple bucks. Uh, and then I'm like, Hey, don't factor budget into this. Like, um, so, so, so just theaters rent. I think, I think rent is still important to have there. Um, I don't know how many people actually rent these anymore. Um, but, uh, but I think it's a good, like Evan does, I think it's a good anticipation scale, you know, in terms of like, I won't go to a theater, but I won't wait for it to hit, you know, HBO four months after we're getting that gap is, is, is moving. Cause like, I think the Batman and fantastic beasts were both out before 45 days. days. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, so I did. I did make some modifications. This, this is what we're going to roll with moving forward. Um, but Jurassic World Dominion. How soon do you think you're going to c- catch this? Your only thing holding you back is your free will. Uh, would you go check this out in theaters? Wait till you can rent it at home. Wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for. Or are you not interested in seeing it, Evan? You already kind of tipped your hand. Let's hear it. Oh, if I, you know, I'm going to go see it probably opening weekend, opening day, day before, whatever, whenever it's available. That said, I. I'm not looking forward to it. It's more of a obligation of I try to go see the movies as best I can when they come out in theater. Uh, I live like I I can walk to the movie theater within like 10 minutes of my apartment. Mm -hmm. And that's if it's a gentle stroll. So it's one of those I kind of go see every movie I can if I can help it. Yeah. Uh, uh, But if it was not that case and I had to drive any amount of time and make an actual <laughs> effort. Uh, it'd probably be streaming like I did with the last one, just mm-hmm. because the last one was not good. <laughs> and I was watching on HBO or whatever. And I'm like, just watching one. This is not good. I'm still watching this because I need to finish it, but I don't like it. So that's kind of where we're at. I'm curious to see what they do with the more original cast mm-hmm. and if that brings anything, you know, interesting to the table, but I'm not looking forward to, uh, it's not something I'm eager for. Sure. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Um, I would say streaming. I, I'm not a huge fan of the franchise as a whole. I still really love the original, what, 1994, 1995 film. I think it's fantastic. It's a, it's a classic um, on just about every level you could think of, especially like technical aspects. Like that film still looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 
I think the only thing that's like making me want to watch it is just the connective tissue with that cast. That's really it. That's holding me because like I didn't like world. I didn't like world. I didn't like the sequel to it. I thought that script was horrible. It became kind of a spook house movie at the end. It was kind of weird. Um, yeah. So overall, yeah, I'd say my anticipation level is pretty low. I'll probably end up watching it because my wife loves dinosaurs and loves Jurassic Park regardless. So we'll probably end up watching yeah. it, but I'm not too excited about it. Well, um, I've been watching the movies again. I've seen the first three um, because for and for coming up with a podcast that's coming out in three weeks. Well, where we'll I'll talk about all the the movies with Frank and, um, and I. Look, I'm gonna go see this because in that podcast we're also talking about this movie, so I kind of have to go. I'm gonna I'm gonna buck the trend. Um, I'm gonna officially say not interested in this movie for lots of reasons. Um, mostly kind of like both of you alluded to, like this franchise as a whole isn't good. Um, there's arguably two out of five good movies, and I really really think that when it comes time to recording, I'm gonna say there's only one good movie in this franchise. Um, because world just had just not held up over time. I think we were just like, oh, it's not two or three. Um, and right. that doesn't mean it's good. Um, we'll see. I don't, the world is the next one we have to watch. And, you know, I'm, 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 cu- I'm curious to see how that'll hold up. But I remember last time I turned it on, I was bored, like right before Fallen Kingdom. I was just bored. Um, we'll see. We'll see how like five years time helps that. But I kind of didn't mind Fallen Kingdom. I didn't hate it. I was far from loved it, but. I just don't care, and if, and getting um, Laura Dern and Sam Neill back, it feels like a gimmick, like not like actually that it's going to make sense for them to come. Um, it made sense for them in X Men: Days of Future Past, but like, how do you work Alan Grant and Ian Malcolm and I can't even remember her name? I'm sorry. It's just going to become a Poseidon adventure of like which one of them is going to die for the greater good of the others. One of them has to die uh, for sure, and uh, and like you know it just. That's how you do it. That's how you keep stakes interesting. But honestly, like at this point, and here's here's what I'm mostly realizing about this franchise is that the biggest reason why I don't like this movie is because I'm constantly rooting for the dinosaurs. The first movie is the only exception because the rest of them, and that's definitely the point to some of these movies is that dinosaurs or that is that humans are terrible. And yes, dinosaurs can be bad to each other, but like take Lost World, for example. The whole point is humans suck. And, you know, um, and I think Fallen Kingdom is essentially the same thing. Just pe- people are bad. Um, you know, just leave the dinosaurs alone and, and messages of animal cruelty and stuff like that, which like, you know, or not animal cruelty, anti-animal cruelty. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's just like, I don't care about any of these characters and to the point where they've used all of these uh, all these people so much that I don't even care about the characters from the original movie because they've been brought back and 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 I didn't care about them then and I, I wish that everybody would have died and I really honestly hope that's how this movie ends is that humans don't exist anymore right like <laughs> that's the best way for this franchise to move on is is they just planet of the apes this and and all of a sudden it's just dinosaurs again and then the seventh Jurassic World movie has no human characters in it at all just pure nihilism <laughs> let's go i'm ready for it yeah i just i'm ready for i'm ready for a movie with just dinosaur and uh why not <laughs> oh they can learn sign language and like the t-rexes will be trying to make expressions but they can't because their hands are so small <laughs> they have short arms <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i don't care i really hope this is the last movie we get out of this franchise i it's i don't think it's being advertised that way like it feels like this is the end of a chapter but like in, in it does a lot feel of ways, like they're wrapping it up. It feels like they're wrapping up at least this Jurassic World air like thing, but like how soon before they have a spinoff or a prequel or 
like a this takes place between one and two or something like that. Send them to space or get like a get like a little bit of like a Fast and Furious like tie in. Weren't and they then talking they about take that at one space. point? It wouldn't be. I I think that was at least a rumor or something, just like you know the MIB with uh, Jump Twenty One Street kind of thing. But oh yeah, right. Yeah, that was. I just was like, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, like I. How soon before they do? Yeah, a prequel or a like this takes place between one and two or two and three or like three and world. Like how how just soon before we Jurassic get... Space? Jurassic Space. <laughs> Dinosaurs in space. I just. I, I don't want to see any more of these movies, including this one. Um, yeah. Just the original is is great, uh, and I will happily watch that again. But especially like if they don't make more of these movies, I won't ever have to watch two and three and four and five again. Um, you know, because that's the only time I've watched any of them besides the original in, in the last like twenty years is because there's a new one coming out. Um, so anyway, I'm going to stop talking for now. <laughs> and that's essentially all of my thoughts is I'm done with this franchise. Same here. I'm still excited for fast and furious 10 though. I guess, well, I guess not with the, like Vin Diesel, <laughs> and all that, like all the, all the drama behind the scenes, like, you know, maybe not that franchise, but le- at least that franchise is entertaining and I can get excited about a new movie. And I've never been excited about this one. So, yep. That's it. You guys have other thoughts? <laughs> No, I just want this series to end so that we bring back the kids from the first movie. Let them be the ones that like, guys, all you boomers are screwing this up. This is what you do. <laughs> to bring back the Raptor from Jurassic Park 3 that says Alan. Yeah. <laughs> I saw William H. Ma- to my wife and all William the time. And William H. It's Macy funny. in the background. Yeah, and William H. Macy in the background will just kick through like or try to kick through a vending machine and fail. So <laughs> I rescued your hat. Um <laughs> Man, it's just this never should have been a franchise, should it? No, they should have done the one. Got went, hey, isn't this cool? And then like made a universal ride and called it a day. Yeah, and and you know what? We would have looked fondly and be like, yeah, amazing. And now instead of like, oh, that one was good. I I still do that. I'm like, this one movie was good. I just kind of like block the other ones out of my mind or just don't really care to watch them ever again. Yeah. I ha- I own the four pack on 4K of the first four movies, and then I own Fallen Kingdom on Voodoo, and I genuinely believe one day I'll sell the four pack and just buy the original on 4K. Be like, this or is have, the only one. Or you have three drink coasters too. That I mean, that, there's that too. That. <laughs> uh, no, no, it was a different four pack because that was the like <laughs> Blu-ray like remastered release. Um, the 4K release was a bit later, so it's 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 a box. Um, but yeah. I, Oh yeah, use the discs as drink as coasters. a drink coasters. Yeah, no, because no, because because you because they came out with um with a with a run where they were just like the the, the discs were in just a circular case and it was awful. I thought that's what you were referring to. Um, yeah, drink coasters. Now I I legitimately believe one day I'll sell the four pack and just pick up the original and and I'll be totally content with that decision. Um, yeah, I'm not excited about this. Not even all right. Let's uh, take some time then. Um, I think that's pretty much sums up everybody's. Man, I'm sad. <laughs> I thought at least one. I was hoping at least one of us might be excited, but it wasn't going to be me. It's just not. Just not a fan of the franchise. What if this is a? What if the <laughs> end leads into the Super Mario movie? Because Chris Pratt will look at one of the dinosaurs, and it will look eerily like the Yoshi from the original Super Mario Brothers. Right? <laughs> yeah, it'll be like yeah. It's a straight up raptor. The only franchise tie-ins that I'm interested in in this leading into 
would be like if this led into an alien versus predator um, or either of them, I guess, because that would be cool. Aliens versus predator versus dinosaurs versus King Kong um, and Godzilla. Space why not? Jam 3, go. <laughs> <laughs> versus Michael Jordan. Yeah. And uh, hold on, uh, Steph Curry. It's got to be like that's the next like big basketball player. I don't know. It might be more fun to throw Larry Bird in there. <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, yeah, like that. I mean, I would watch a Fast and Furious Jurassic Park movie. I'm much more interested in that than this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, let's take some time then. Uh, people have gotten to hear some thoughts from you, and uh, we'll move this up to the front of the show now. Uh, get a chance to pimp your stuff. Where do you want to send people to check out all of the things that you're posting online? Um, Evan, let's start with you. Like Twitter, Letterboxd. Oh, yeah. my Yeah, Twitter is uh, at LuckBuckets. Uh, L-U-C-K-B-U-C-K-E-T-S at, uh, or on Twitter. And then I'm also the same on Letterboxd. You can search for me there. There we go. What about you, Joe? Yeah, uh, per usual, I usually just direct people to my Instagram, uh, Starship Bangle Avenger with the underscore under each one of those uh, those words. Yeah, you can talk about comic books, uh, movies, collecting figures, uh, weight training, anything. A wide variety of like topics. Yeah. Uh, there you go. I'll have those in the episode description for you guys to, to be able to check out easily, but to go give them follows really good guys, uh, and good follows. So, um, let's, uh, real quick before we move on, I got to shout out, uh, the Patreon. Uh, so if you want to support Patreon, if this podcast, it's uh, $5, $10 or $20 a month. $5 gives you early access to episodes. $10 gets you early or gets you access to special reviews in uh, such as and including a Top Gun review that I did with Chris um, that is live now. So if you go to Patreon and join the $10 tier, you can hear my full thoughts. Chris and I talked for an hour on Top Gun Maverick um, because we had things to say. Um, so that's where you can hear my full thoughts on all that. And then $20 a month gets you access to um, personalized reviews for stuff once a month, um, as well as seeing other $20 uh, you know, requests. So lots of good stuff happening over there. Now let's finally get into Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Um, as always, like when we do this kind of stuff, we are going to just spoil the whole movie. So if for some reason you've never seen this movie, like, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Um, like that feels like, why would you click on something that says, you know, I haven't made the title yet, obviously, but like, you know, guys talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Like, why would you click on that without having seen this movie? Um, but uh, I'm lonely and I need voices in my head. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be spoiling this movie uh, fully, so not not going to worry about any anything back. Uh, but this is a 2010 movie. We should starring Edgar Wright, or not starring, written and directed by Edgar Wright, also written by Michael Bacall, and then the uh, based off the graphic novels uh, by Oni Press. Specifically by Brian Lee O'Malley, uh, Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Kieran Culkin, uh, Anna Kendrick, Aubrey Plaza, Allison Pill, Jason Schwartzman, Johnny Simmons, Ellen Wong, Mark Weber. Um, let's see. Uh, this, wow, Chris. Um, wow, Captain America. What's his name? Uh, Chris Evans. Evans. I, I was thinking one of the like. I was like, it's not Pratt. It's not Pine. Chris Evans isn't isn't listed. Uh, the best Chris. Um, and, yeah, and uh, Superman. Brie, Brie Larson's Brandon in this Routh. too, and Brandon. Yeah, Brandon Routh. Brandon and, Routh. Uh, Bill Hader is a voice in this. He's always he plays the voice, not just voice. Uh, Th- Thomas Jane is the vegan police. <laughs> yep, Thomas Jane is the vegan police. <laughs> yep, yep. So lots and lots and lots of people in this movie. Um, yeah, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. 
synopsis is in a magically realistic version of Toronto, a young man must defeat his new girlfriend's several, seven evil exes one by one in order to earn her heart. Joe, um, you suggested this, right? Yeah. What's the What's the reason for suggesting this one? Uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the franchise in general. Uh, I think right before the movie came out, my buddy had like lent me all of the graphic novels and like here, read this. You need to read this, uh, and I'm glad he did so because I think it's fantastic. Uh, great characters, really fleshed out, lots of funny laugh-out-loud moments, great art style that's very reminiscent of manga. Uh, one of the main influences was Ranma One Half, and you can definitely see that as far as the art style. Um, so just completely infatuated with it. I love the film. Uh, I'm kind of sad that it kind of got um, overshadowed by The Expendables, a, a lesser film, but uh, I digress. But uh, yeah, anyways, I, just, I love this film. I've seen this film hundreds of times. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen this movie. So... And it gave me a reason to reread the manga slash graphic novel. So there go. and put on your uh, Brandon Routh shirt. Yeah, my Todd Ingram uh, third yeah. black shirt. Yeah, that I definitely didn't recognize and thought was a socket. And I definitely board. broke Vegan Edge. <laughs> 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 me too. I had fish twice today. Um, uh, all right, so let's uh, give our review of the movie. Uh, did you like it? Love it? Hate it? Dislike it? Or think it's just okay? Evan, why don't you kick us off? Uh, I really like this movie. I wouldn't go quite as far as to say love, but it definitely has a lot of uh, things that make it memorable and make me think about it fondly. Uh, I do. I am definitely, I'm not the biggest gamer in the world, but I definitely get a lot of the sound effects, especially the uh, the one from, you know, you get Zelda, you get a lot of the Sonic the Hedgehog sounds from like the rings to even just like going through a portal. Uh, you're getting, you know, from Sonic which I've recently been playing Sonic Mania, so that's been fun. Uh, so a lot of those have been sticking up to me in particular. But the movie itself is just such a great example of what makes Edgar Wright such a unique uh, stylistic director because it's very tight. It's very quick. Uh, it does transitions in ways that you're not... like They're not supposed to work as smoothly as they do. <laughs> Yeah, because he's literally jump cutting from one conversation to another with like literally a pan of the camera and you're somewhere else and they're continuing a conversation and in and in their universe that works. Uh, It's so fun uh, to see how they pull that off. And it's hyper it's hyper realized in all of the antics. I mean, you get Chris Evans being just pre Captain America kind of still figuring out what he's, you know, where his trajectory is going to go. Uh, post human you know. torch pre Captain America, but post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're talking like, you know, not yeah. another teen movie cellular. Like he hadn't like hit hit yet. Yeah, yeah. He was very well known, but hadn't like, this is the thing I'm going to hang my hat on and start being able to be, you know, picky with my roles and, you know, stuff like that. So this was, for, you know, just for him alone, it's hilarious. And then to also see Brandon Routh. And, uh, but yeah, I, I dig this movie. The vibe, the music's really, uh, really cool. Um, and like, I, I, yeah, I rewatched it right before we started the podcast. And I was just chuckling at a lot of little nuancey things. Uh, you know, even just the weird banter that you have each of the characters having with each other is uh, just a joy. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely up there in a. I'm very fond of it, but it's also one I haven't like revisited in a while. Uh, so it's not one of those like got to keep it on the the shelf ready to watch. Yeah, uh, Joe, like it, love it, hate it, just like I think it's just okay. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I absolutely love this movie. Um, really adore it uh, for multiple reasons. A lot of the stuff that Evan already kind of like touched upon, like the editing, like nobody else could have cut this film other than Edgar Wright. It would not be the same. It wouldn't, it wouldn't resemble the material as well as it does. Like each one of those edits is like kind of like gutter space in the comic book, like the very quick editing. And there's even a segment where like Scott is like, it's cutting to different parts of the night and he just doesn't know where he's at because he has like no attention span. That yeah. actually happens in the comic book. It's like perfectly translated. Everyone's like, we're going to this party, you idiot. Like <laughs> it's like jumping through these different scenes. And that always cracks me up every time. Um, yeah. Just like the hyper kind of uh, the hyper realism and kind of like ridiculous stuff that happens within uh, Toronto. Like uh, you have crazy visual effects that reflect the graphic novel that really are really punchy. And they really kind of slowly take the bandaid off and then kind of rip it off. As soon as you meet the first evil X, as far as like yeah. unveiling the world. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a strong starter and it's a strong finisher as far as the film goes. And, and like I said, for being a nearly two hour movie, it doesn't feel like a two hour movie just because of the way it's cut and the way it's edited. And we already kind of talked about the cast. The cast is amazing. Everyone, like you said, from Chris Evans to Brandon Ralph. Uh, this is the first film I ever saw Brie Larson in. I thought she was great as Envy, mm-hmm. especially rereading the, the the comic. Like I could, I was reading her voice when she was delivering lines. Like it was really awesome. So yeah, I don't have enough good things to say about this. I um, think I'm going to land with Evan on this one. Uh, I, like, adore this movie. Um, but I, and, and in lots of ways, I really love what's going on. Um, and so in terms of, it's one of those things that I just have a little bit too many issues with um, for me to fully say I love it. Like, I love watching it. And, like, it, it, you can tell that, like, Edgar Wright just gets it. Like, this is a movie made for nerds and, like, people that grew up playing Nintendo. And, like, because, like, it's, like, it looks like a Nintendo movie. Um, you know, you've got, like, sounds that are, like, oh, that's the mushroom. Or that's the, like, you know, coin collector or whatever. And you've got all these, yeah. like, fun video game design quirk thingies, whatever. You can tell, like, just, man, this is a movie just kind of made for people like us. But it's, I have a couple of problems with it. And I, I don't want to linger there because I do, like, I really, really, really like this movie. Um, I just don't quite love it the way I used um but I think the cast is perfect here and I think that's mostly where I want to start like I I don't think there's a single bad cast in, um you know and like like Aubrey Plaza is great I mean and Anna Kendrick is great and it's one of those like you almost wish they would have given those two a little bit more knowing you know how great they are yeah and um, Ellen Wong is uh Knives is also yeah. really funny I, I forgot how right. funny her character in particular is when uh when Scott's like all distracted about you know his situation and so that like the music's suffering when they're practicing and it's like wait is your girlfriend distracting you and it's like what no and she's just like silent as a ghost on yeah. the couch and she goes I'm sorry I can be more quiet <laughs> yes, I'll be quieter <laughs> Like there's there's a lot of good uh, good moments in here, and I, I I crack up a lot too. Like that's that's all right. I, I I think I just need to say my my problem with this movie. I disagree that I think I think this movie feels its length, um, maybe even a bit longer. Um, and, and on the first time, you know, maybe it was a breeze, but the last couple times I've watched it, I was like, oh, this really feels like a two hour and twenty minute movie, and it's an hour and fifty two in reality um, because it tries to cram in so much. Like, I almost wonder like. What do you guys think? Was this did this work better as a series? Um, like, because it's a lot of content. Like, would this work better as like a you know six episode? I, I think that's actually Disney my only con series. with this movie is I feel like they did a good job of condensing it. But if this could have like breathed a lot more, and they could have had way more character development if this would have been like a six volume series. 
Yeah. Just like six volumes of the, of the comic. Like it, it would have been right for that. And I think if it was made nowadays, they would have done that. But maybe TV's not this, you know, TV's not the same as it was when, you know, you know, 2010. Yeah. So. yeah this could, to- this could totally pull off a, uh, a limited series kind of, you know, eventy thing. Uh, the, only spot that I feel like in particular truly drags for me, um, and it really just goes to the character development bit, is the the twins. That yeah. fight just kind of feels like, oh, wait, we have two more guys that we need <laughs> right. to go through. So what can we do? Well, we can make them twins so that way we can, or I mean, obviously it's probably that way in the comic, but... We can have them battle at the same time. We'll just kind of throw in some music that you can't really discern what's happening in the music. It's the one time the music's kind of jarbled and just not the clearest. So you can't really like jam to it. And it just becomes this like laser light show, like dragon versus ape creature. And then they're just down quick. That's the only other thing I didn't understand from the film anytime I've watched it is like, what's the hit point situation here? <laughs> like Scott gets flung into a building that's like three blocks away when he's up against Chris Evans and he takes every hit until, you know, he doesn't, you know, with Gideon. Uh, so it's just one of those like, but then you get that one fight with the twins and it's very quick and, uh, you know, so that's the only it, spot that I would say with drag is that that fight in particular. I I, I believe that to be true as well as I think they got the short end of the stick because literally in the comic, like that's like two volumes worth. Like they have multiple fights. Like a very important event happens where like Kim gets kidnapped by the twins and he's got to go save her. Oh. And they play more on the fact that like they're twins, right? So it's like they're like double dragon. It's another video game reference. That's why they like are twins and, and like dragons. And the the whole thing with Ramona is that like those two had a falling out because th- she was dating both of them at the same time. So we're like, we're not going to allow you to separate us and like ruin our relationship. Like there was a big reason why they had animosity towards Ramona in that respect. So like mm. that in a limited series would be really cool to explore and you could have, you know, that more fleshed out. Yeah. I just, it, I, it does a good job of condensing and telling this one story, but I feel like we are missing a lot by the fact that it's condensed to an hour and 52 minute movie. And then, uh, but and then I also feel like we are um, like in some ways it is a little bit too long because like at some point when you when you trim enough you're you're almost like I'd rather you just trim and only give me the like like just make this a fun movie it doesn't have to have heart to it I mean it does the movie does have a, have a heart to it but it's like I could I could go without it I could go for just a silly very surface level comedic funny and certainly would make me feel better about scott because that's my other big big thing is like scott's not really the most likable person no he Um, doesn't age well like not only does he not age well like the whole first time watching that i'm like why is he being such a dick to knives like and 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 and, and there's it's pointed out but it's like i mean there's the age gap thing but it's like but he just just abandons her and and winds up going back i've never liked the ending of this movie where he goes back to knives like yeah, it's, no, he uh, doesn't go back to. He doesn't he, go back to. Yeah, knives. he, goes, he goes with Ramona. Yeah, he he well, talks he, oh, to knives, and knives says no. Go after her. Go after he, her wants, yeah. besides, he wants. He wants to go cooler. back to knives, right? Well, I know in the comic he does. So that's where the discrepancy, because the comic he goes with knives at the end, doesn't he? No, he ends up going with Ramona. Like it's almost identical, but the circumstances are different. Whereas, like knives kind of gives him the permission to kind of move on, where knives has moved on from him. But like, she's had a whole, she's had a whole like, year he, of pining over him for like relentlessly pining over this guy and then she realizes like 
what am I doing here? Like, I don't need to do this. Like, he, all right. But like after he defeats uh, Jason Schwartzman, he like him and Ramona kind of break up, right? And then he goes to like he goes to knives, and then knives says no, go to Ramona. Like that's what I mean, right? I well, know that in the production of it, uh, they did a test, and he in the original was going to end up with knives, but the test audience didn't like that, so they had him go with Ramona. So that's yeah. I haven't read the comic. That's where my misunderstanding might be stemming from. And and again, like I have, I didn't get a chance to see this movie before this podcast. It's been maybe a year since I've seen it. But 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 even like he he defeats the exes, and then him and Ramona like him and Ramona have a bit of a falling out. And then he goes to Knives, and Knives is like, "No, you need to like that." Right? That's the sequence of events. Well, she right? she ends up leaving because like she's like, "Well, you know, I need to kind of kind of figure things out." And plus, like, I've caused you a bunch of like pain and hurt, and literally like suffering. So like, maybe I should just like leave. That he ends up chasing her and going after her. Okay, it's yeah. Plus, in the comic, they they're kind of like both not great people, so they kind of belong with each other. Like they're both kind of like weird, messed up people. Right. Yeah. So, but, it, but it's like. That 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 stuff translates if you want to have a totally surface level fun movie like like the scene my favorite scene of the movie is uh, or my favorite shot I guess is where Knives comes to visit Scott and then they do that like door ajar thing where where uh, where Scott like runs off the camera and then he jumps out a small window and yeah. then uh, and it's like he just left like and all that <laughs> stuff is going on in the background you can tell like that's my favorite like little shot of the movie uh, I mean there's a million shots that I love of the movie but. Um, I want that for, for two hours. Like that's the kind of movie I want. Like, because as soon as you try to add emotional levity, Scott's not a likable person, like even in the slightest and nor are his friends. I mean, the, the band leader is a good guy, right? He's, uh, I, I don't know his name off, uh, off oh, the top of my head. Uh, uh, Stills, Stephen Stills. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he, the, the, he's the front man seems like a cool guy, but even like the, even the drummer is like her whole character is to kind of be like cold and callous. Um, which is like oh, fine. Awesome. It's fine. Like, and I enjoyed that character, but it's like, as soon as you want to try to enter like any like heart to this movie, it's like, but these are characters that like, I don't really like very much. Like, I think it's why I do like them. Cause I feel very natural. Like not everybody's super likable. And I think it reflects really well upon the source material because Scott's not a good guy. Like Scott's probably a worse guy in the, in the actual well, comic. But we're book. rooting for him to, to, to be happy in the end of the movie. Right. Yeah, he, like he's trying to change. Like it's cool to have a story where a person's <laughs> trying to evolve and trying to change a, a change a bit, and like admit that he's kind of a dirtbag. And he kind of he does that at the end. He admits like, okay. yeah, I'm a jerk. Like what I did was wrong, and like that's why he ends up you know kind of leveling up, like literally leveling up. <laughs> as yeah. a result. All right. I feel like it's it's better illustrated in the book because you have more time, and, and and like you said, like it probably would have been better as a series, like yeah, to flesh that that part out. And I do agree with that. Like that would yeah, it's just like for most of this movie, like knives is nothing but good to Scott. I mean, annoying but good. Um, and and then he just yeah, like ignores awesome. her because oh, here's this other girl that I'm more attracted to, and like he doesn't even have the balls to tell yeah. to tell uh, knives, but. The the truest of backstabbers in this entire film, the true villain, is young Neil because <laughs> he is he is just copying people. He's copying Scott and all that stuff. And the moment that Scott's like, "No, we're not joining your, we're not signing the contract," he's the one guy that doesn't want to sell out. And young Neil, without hesitation, is like, "I got the guitar. I'm going to sign this. No words, just I'm in." He yeah, like I mean, he was just biding his time for that like 
A2 Brute? Like, yeah, I gotcha, buddy. <laughs> and then doesn't Knives, like, date him out of spite? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he's, he's very similar to Scott, so it was like a carbon right. copy. Like. <laughs> but, like, I really like, like, all the stuff with Wallace works, right? Because, oh, yeah. because like, it's just really funny. Um, and he's a surface-level, light-hearted, really good time. And they don't really try to add any emotional levity. And, and he knows who he is, and that's why you love him so much. Like, man, you were just so confident in every single, single thing you, you do. Right. You, st- you steal uh, Anna Kendrick's boyfriend, and you're just like, yeah, I did. I, lo- I love that scene so much. <laughs> like, where, where she's, she's, oh, like, she's again? always... She's <laughs> like, yeah. right, again? Yeah. again? <laughs> he's, he's also like, it's funny, because like, he's kind of a mess, but he realizes it, and he's confident in the fact that he is a mess. Right. And, He's also the voice of reason for Scott and for like a lot of other people as well. Like he gets it. Like it's, he also has the coolest uh, apartment or house or whatever the hell that is because <laughs> it's like an underground Canada. bunker in the middle, like across <laughs> right. the street from normal suburbia, and it somehow is underground and yet has a window that Scott can just jump out of when needed. <laughs> right. It's. Yeah, I guess I guess my point is like it's just sen- you can't have a love story without having an emotional connection. But Scott's not likable enough for me to have like good emotional connection. So I'm just like I'm conflicted with this movie because like I don't want good things for Scott because he treats knives badly. And then it's like I- I- I'm talking circles at this point. So I'm sorry. I just like this is why I can't fully love this movie. Um, and Joe, I think what you're arguing is totally valid. That like it's it's kind of the point, but it's like it doesn't mean I have to like it though. <laughs> right, right, and, and you don't have to like. I, I feel like the film just kind of leaves that up to you. Like you kind of get that. Like yeah, he's why should he like win in the end? He's not really that great of a person. And like some of these people have like have been wronged by him. Like especially Kim. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's why she kind of is the way she is. Like. But- but he's better than the evil exes, and so we're just naturally like, oh yeah, go Scott. But it's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if you lost. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? I, I think that's kind of the fun aspect of the film because he actually like he tries really hard to be like a better person in the comic. Like he gets a job, he moves in with Ramona. Like there's a whole year spanning. Like this feels like only a few weeks to maybe a month or two, you know. So I, I think we we kind of circle back to the fact that this probably would have been better served as a series. Um, yeah, probably would have been made in the series right now. Like they would have been like hot on the heels of that because TV is. Oh yeah, TV is a new the new format. Like that's like the new hotness as far as like producing this type of material. Can you imagine the boys being a movie that would not work at all? Like it wouldn't work. Well. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I. Only problem is it probably end up on like Paramount Plus or something, so no one will <laughs> Universal <Yeah>. Plus. <laughs> Man, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to wonder. Like, could Disney Plus get by with doing this? Like it's lighthearted. I mean, Edgar Wright wouldn't be a part of it. And like, here, here's here's my big thing about the movie, right? If Edgar Wright doesn't direct this, or Peacock, if Edgar right. Wright, yeah, since this is on Peacock, if Edgar Wright doesn't direct this movie, even with this cast, it's just okay to me. It, it doesn't like, work without him. Like it just doesn't. It, it doesn't. And <laughs> and I don't think half the cast would have signed on without him. Um, because I'm he's just he just seems like a guy that's like, here's my vision, let's go, and everybody's like, yeah. I'm in like that. That's just the kind of guy that he seems like and the projects that he does. But, but yeah, I just, I don't know. He, he makes this movie so watchable and so lovable. And I mean, and, and, and the person writing the screenplay, like I know with, with Edgar, like it also like 
they work well together on this project because like there's a lot of these things I'm looking through IMDb quotes right now. I'm just thinking like of all the times of this movie that are so funny and could you could you imagine this movie without a you cannot imagine this movie because you would have forgotten this movie if Edgar Wright does but there's like the scene where where they're like uh um you know, I love garlic bread I can eat it all the time and it's like oh well you shouldn't <laughs> do that because it well because bread makes you fat it's like bread makes you like that's that's such a bread fun scene because of the way that it's done and and even the one where he's like yeah uh, where um Wallace is like you got to break out the L word he's like lesbian he's like no no the other one, lesbian <laughs> like that's that's funny because of the way that it happens i mean it's funny content as well but i'm in lesbian with you i'm in lesbian <laughs> oh no um yeah he, he he knew what you, you once were a vegan and now you will be gone <laughs> right like it, a lot of the stuff is funny and memorable because of the way that edgar wright shoots and edits this film and, and but also like credit to the actual editors editors of this film but like you know they're just doing what edgar wright wants right. um and uh like but but it's just like this this movie without that like this is a love letter to nerd culture from Edgar Wright and without that heart behind the camera um I don't think I like this movie um it's 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 just okay probably so um well I think a lot of it has to do with the actual source material too because like he knew what aspects to adapt and he adapted a lot of it as far as the dialogue goes and those are a lot of the things that you mentioned that like land and are really funny yeah but he also knew when to throw in his own humor as well um and it came off like, as like, like the, the he just left like that's yeah, not I, don't, I don't think i don't think that's in the the comic but it it makes sense within that world that he would be able to do that and that that whole gag makes sense yeah uh, uh yeah i just i'm yeah like as i'm looking through the quotes i'm thinking of all the he punched the highlights out of her hair. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guess who's drunk? Just, i guess wallace you guess right <laughs> yeah it's just all imagine having to go to the bank with all those coins at the end of the day <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that when Steven's like shoveling him into his shirt, into his pants. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, I, anyway, like, now that I've said my gripes about the movie, like it's that's really all I have. Um, it's just that it it, it worked. I think making a movie disservices the material, but and Scott's not a likable character. Um, and they want me to. I don't. Um, like I like him, but I don't want good things for him. If that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I enjoy watching him, but if this was a real person, I would be I would be not friends with that person for sure. Because I'm like, you're an <laughs> idiot, and you make bad choices, and I shouldn't be around you. So I just, yeah, I'm done. I'm done griping now. Because like I said, I really like this movie. I arguably love it. It's been on my favorites movie of all time list. I I'm gonna give it another shot, or like I'm, uh, another watch soon. But I think I might actually take it off the list just because I do have some pretty significant problems with it. Um, but, but like the, it, every time they go up and they start playing music and they always do the, like, we're, we're sex, Obama, we're here to make you sad and stuff. Like, it's just like, it's just yeah, great. Of death and stuff. How do you, how do you not like that? And, and, and again, the vegan police scene, how do you, oh, it's, you, you had a chicken parm and it's like, chicken isn't vegan. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just so good and the whole the whole movie set stuff with the with the chris evans character like it's i love it and there's it, even the first fight where he comes where, where he comes up he's like oh did you not get the message uh we're supposed to fight <laughs> yeah. oh, i skimmed it <laughs> this makes him more upset <laughs> yeah um, yeah i especially love what chris evans kind of did with the character i don't know if he was directed to be kind of more of a jerk but he did a good job of like really leaning into it because he's kind of less of a jerk in the comic like he's like oh hey like yeah let's relax for a bit um here do you need a gatorade like it's like kind of more kind of feel bad that he kind of gets tricked into being uh, killed by doing doing this like really difficult skate trick 
But like, you know, of course in the movie you're like, yeah, you kind of deserve that. You're kind of a jerk. You kind of but show you off. Can't do a grindy thingy on that. A veil thingy. Thingy. <laughs> <laughs> There's like 200 steps that a rails of garbage. <laughs> you really think you're going to goat me into it? It's like yeah, girls over there. Get me my board. <laughs> like the voice, like everything he does with that character is just like, like, dude, you, you nailed it. Yeah. It's, I'd it's, watch it, a movie with that guy starring in a movie. Me too. Right. If it was a spinoff, it was just like, yeah, even if they're like animated shorts and Chris Evans is like lended his voice, like I would watch that. I'd, he's going for the maybe, Oscar this year. Maybe that's what they should do. Maybe they should, maybe they should adapt this to a limited series and get all the all the actors back as voice actors. Like and then and then do animation in the style like I know they also came out with the Scott Pilgrim versus the World video game that's based yeah. directly off the manga. Like like do it in that art style. Because I it, really like that art style. It's it's almost like Funko Pop before Funko Pop. Right. They did an animation too. It was like Scott uh, Pilgrim versus the uh, animation or oh. versus the animation. It was like actual stories from the comic. It was like them in college and high school. Okay. Uh, yeah. So they did a little bit of that. that. I think that would be really cool. If they expanded it. And did, yeah. Did like the whole thing. Yeah. There's just so much, so much to love about this movie. And it's just every time we, we say something, I think of a new, cause I forgot about the whole, like how he defeats Chris Evans with the go do the grindy thingy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's the the base scene is really cool. Where they, I, I I disagree with you on that one, Evan. I kind of like the it, I I get what you're saying about the the twins fight where it just kind of feels like cluttered and a mess. But like, pretty it feels tacked on. It, it's this this the other thing about this movie. It's just gorgeous. Like like the CGI holds up really well, and like it's just pretty to look at. It's lots of bright color. Mm-hmm. I just I love watching this movie. And not to yeah. necessarily give it too much credit, but I do feel like some of its editing style does kind of lend to inspiring or allowing other directors to go, wait, I could do that. Uh, like I did get small little flashes while watching everything everywhere all at once of like a Scott Pilgrim, like early Edgar Wright, like editing style that they were doing. So, you know, I do think that there's some DNA that other film directors or yeah. creators in general have taken from a movie like this and uh you know throwing automatopias up on the screen and being able to like get that comic book look on film uh i feel like this one kind of hit that a little bit harder on the head yeah yep uh i mean maybe it's because again i i didn't get a chance to see this movie before we recorded i'm out like (laughs) i'm out of i'm out of things to say i don't have any notes (laughs) yeah to, to go back to like to the sound effects like like I said, we point out Zelda. There's you know, definitely Sonic notes. The one that really um, jumps out to me as being a fighting fan is the Street Fighter Alpha 3 KO. It's exactly <laughs> from that game. Yeah. I love hearing it. KO. Um, yeah, I didn't know they, Bill Hader did the voice for the narration. That totally makes sense. And it makes awesome. Yeah, it does make sense. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I can't believe I didn't know that, but yeah, that's awesome. Um, I didn't know it either, but as I was scrolling on DBS, I was like, oh, and Bill Hader is like one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah, he's fantastic. But yeah, like... Um, to go back to Wallace Wells, like as far as casting goes, even though all the great casting aside, like I think he was by far the best. Like Karen Culkin, like knocked that out of the park. Well, and it's yeah. it's interesting too because like he's so good in the movie, and it took him the long like Aubrey Plaza was I think already on Parks and Rec like one or two seasons when when this movie came out, and Anna Kendrick had been in she hadn't been in Pitch Perfect yet, but she had like done a couple of smaller things I think. Um, so like she was like Pitch Perfect was where she really blew up. Um, mm. you know, Chris Evans, again, people thought people weren't quite sure what to think of him because of the whole like fantastic four and not, not on the team. He wasn't captain America. Yet, so, 
about to be like a year from then. <laughs> That's crazy. Right. That's so crazy. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, it's this just, is what got him that role. <laughs> this, this was part of them. Like Michael Sarah, like it's not a Renaissance, but like it, this was after Arrested Development. Like it was kind of like this combined with Nick and Nora's infinite playlist, like really someone is who he is. Um, yeah, and 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 uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as well. I mean, she was in the fourth Die Hard movie, which is where I kind of fell in love with her. But she's great in this role as well. I mean, and and also like Brandon Routh. Like this is post Superman, but like far enough away post Superman that like we knew we weren't going to see him as Superman ever again. Yeah. Except except twenty you know fifteen years down the line when he was on a network TV. I, I feel like he's like kind of like it's kind of sad this film didn't do better than it actually because I feel like he would have had a, a better trajectory if this movie would have done better. Maybe because yeah. he's he's really fantastic as Todd Ingram. Like he's despicable. I, uh, no, I'll counter I'll counter that. Whereas with if he did this movie but didn't do Superman Returns, which we talked about on the podcast, like and he's right. he's good. I really like him as Superman actually, but um, it's just a drawn right. out film. It's a little long, right? <laughs> so like I wonder like if you take Superman out of his career and like this is his launching point, does he have a, a better career? Or a bigger career. I would, I would say so. Yeah, because yeah. he's he's everybody in this movie is awesome, and it's it's just kind of weird that like interesting that like this was really the movie that either started people to like be like big and 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 boom and explode, or this was the movie that like propelled them. And then there's Kieran Culkin who like still really, but he's huge right now. It just took him forever. Like he's huge because he's in uh, Secession, and uh, he he just finished up being in because uh, the show did Under the Banner of Heaven, which he's so good in like it's just i love i love it um but but yeah you're right he's so good as wallace like why did it take him so long to get recognized yeah it, it made like no sense to me like he's just amazing in the role and like like reading that and then watching the movie for the first time you're like this guy like leapt off the page mm-hmm. this guy's perfect well leapt off the page for the character that is supposed to be the most bland <laughs> <laughs> it would an interesting parallel but yeah oh wallace is like really uh He's pretty awesome in the book too. He he's he's like awesome. Like you you love to watch him do things, but like his whole thing is this really calm, cool demeanor that really requires nothing of him. Like you you because you'll see like only glimpses. So again, when when he steals over Anna Kendrick's book, he's like, well, it's again like it's you know it's you don't see him actually do it. It's just <laughs> he's cool and casual and nonchalant. And he's always got a beer he's, in his hand. He's always drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys have any other thoughts? No, nothing that I could, you know, I mean, it'd just be padding it with a bunch of, oh yeah, that one scene was fun, or that one that one line is quotable, but, you know, you can go to IMDb and check that, uh, you know, look at the quotes page for, for all of that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that was interesting. Um, I should really remember to watch movies. <laughs> uh, whatever, I'm good. A lot, look, a lot of this hosting as well is to like try to get you guys to converse as well. So it's cool. Yeah. Um, I think we did our job. We talked about Scott for a good amount. Yeah. Uh, and I, could, and I could probably talk about this at nauseum. So it's best that we just, <laughs> just cut it off. But one of the things that we kept on harping about that we thought was just incredible is that this cast is so good. It's, it's, it's one of the best ever assembled. It is. Everybody is perfect in their roles. Um, it, it's, they are they they along with Edgar Wright are really what make this movie special, um, and so for our B for our uh, B plot this week we're going to do a best ever ensemble casts. We're going to have to do this BEC style, so five to one, um, and we'll have some honorable mentions there. We will go by Trump rules. So if somebody lists something that is number five 
and you have it higher, then um, we will talk about it whenever somebody has it at the highest. Um, so, um, yeah, we, um, we'll do that. Um, so, I'm trying to think. I want to just, Joe, why don't you start? Why don't you give us your number five? I didn't put them in any particular order, but I think I could kind of do that in my head. Um, for number five, I'd probably say Tropic Thunder. Um, I think oh, Tropic Thunder. Wow, that's had, so good. I didn't had, even think of that. That was an amazing cast. It, I was talking about 2008 because I feel like it's like one of the best movie years. It has a ton of great movies within that year. But Tropic Thunder actually really stood out amongst those. Is like, it's kind of surprising how good it actually was. Uh, I think it's largely because of the cast. You know, everyone from, you know, the most memorable being Robert Downey Jr., which is, yep. I would not fly nowadays. No. But uh, I'm glad I'm glad that we got it when we did. Um, I think hilarious. the most memorable is Tom Cruise. but <laughs> Tom Cruise, yeah. also highly transformative. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, everybody from the top to the bottom of that cast is, like, just really amazing. Um, That's it, incredible. I didn't even think of that movie. But And here's the thing, is there's so many good answers for this. Um, yeah, we could list we could list off tons of movies. I, uh, I won't, <laughs> I just, we're going to miss some. Um, it's yeah. Okay. This is actually a more tough uh, challenge than you'd think. Cause if you're trying to list five films in order of greatness and ensemble, then you get, you know, like you said, Tropic Thunder, you know, there's, so many more movies than you consider or originally think. I am choosing to make my list not based off of movies that I like the most, but movies in which I think the cast affects it the most. Like what like reasons like you'd be like you take this cast out of here and this movie kind of sucks, or at least it's mm-hmm. like, so so for clarity, like I'm going to have movies that I like more be lower in my list. Um because I'm I'm factoring in best cast, not best film. It's just how I'm choosing to do it. So, um, That's cool. so, yeah, I'll give my number five. Evan, you can kind of round us out. Um, my number five is a movie that I rewatched last week called Arsenic and Old Lace. We talked about this on the podcast once. Um, this this is a delightful movie, and I adore it. And if you haven't seen it, you should really go check it out. Um, and I watched it again last week as I was traveling and. Honestly, I had a really long and kind of rough day, and I wanted to throw on a comfort movie. And for some reason, this was in the mix, because if you know anything about the plot, it's it's about two old ladies that are poisoning old men because they're lonely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but Cary Grant is so good in this role, and the and the, um, the, 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 the people that play the ants are so good in this role, and the officers, and the the person that steals the movie is the uh, the aunt's um, like son or something that believes he's Teddy Roosevelt, um, and then uh, Mortimer, who is Cary Grant's brother, who, um, who, who everybody keeps on saying he looks like Boris Karloff, and he gets offended every time, and um, oh gosh, I can't remember his name, um, but he was the, the guy in M. What was his name? Um, anyway, this cast is is so good, and this movie works, and is such a delight because of them. Uh, Peter Lore, that's what I was thinking of. Um, this this cast is so good, and they work perfectly. Uh, it's incredible. If you haven't seen it, check it out. The cast is a big reason. Evan, why don't you round this off? What's your number five? Yeah, so my number five, I, I didn't have these in a particular order either, and I'm really mulling it over, uh, <laughs> be, you know. So I'm going to say for my number five, Pulp Fiction. This is a good pick. Uh, Pulp Fiction, because I do think that you might be able to sneak in a couple other actors in 
two roles and they would still work obviously and you know now that the film's been out for you know nearly 30 years it's uh all of them are cemented but i feel like you might have been able to squeak in a couple different actors here or there uh and still got because so much of it's uh tarantino's script and you know just what he brings to that film and they all just get to fulfill the the prophecies i guess uh of you know making the movie what it is but the but yeah so pulp fiction i i would say is it's obviously a big ensemble there's you could google it and you know you got your 10 actors right off the bat that you're like oh yeah that they're all great and they all make the story work together yeah i think you're right there's a couple you could replace i think you could replace john travolta um that might be heresy um but like the one that you the two that you can't replace you can't replace samuel L. jackson in that role no, absolutely and not. you can't <laughs> and you can't re- replace ving rames i mean can you imagine no. anybody else saying that like nah man i'm pretty effing far from okay like you yeah. can't like that's perfect yeah. um yeah good pick Evan. uh joe what's your number four yeah yeah just kind of circle back on uh whatever yeah I, that was also on my list i had now that i think about my mind it probably has like, had it as like a number two so yeah that was a great pick um for me, I'm going to say uh, True Romance, um, which is funny. Another connection to Quentin Tarantino. Um, he actually wrote the script for it. Um, probably, would, probably would have been cool if he would have directed it, but still a great film. The cast is ridiculous. Like, I think this is kind of like right before kind of Christian Slater kind of fell off. So, yeah, Christian Slater, yeah, Patricia Arquette, Val Kilmer, Dennis Hopper, Gary Oldman, like Brad Pitt. He's just a dude on the couch <laughs> in the movie. Like, and the list goes on, like Christopher Walken, Samuel Jackson. We could just rattle down names, and the cast is ridiculous from like top to bottom. The movie's coming out in four cases. So yeah, the era. film the film itself is amazing. I think it's largely due to the script, but I think like also that cast really helps out round it out for sure. Cool, Evan. What is your? Oh no, my number four. Sorry, um, my number four is Inception. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those that this this my, this is probably my favorite Leo performance, uh, but it also introduced me to a lot of people. Um, I think I'd seen stuff with Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it beforehand, but this is the first one we really know. Oh, that guy. And probably same with Tom Hardy. Um, Michael Caine is is giving an incredible performance here, um, you know, in in a very limited role. Ellen, you know, at the time, Ellen Page, um, again, just knocking out of the park and ex- exposing, I, th- I think this was her first Hollywood film, but um, Marion, uh, I've gonna butcher it anyway it's french but marion cotillard um i think that's her first hollywood all right cool i got it uh at least good enough for an american trying to say french name but um but like i think that was her first hollywood film and she's incredible in it um ken watanabe is like career best here as well um everybody is on their a game and again it just exposed me to a lot of people and i think even like and this Tom was Hardy. the first time that we really even saw this side of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I mean, you think he was most known for Third Rock from the Sun? He'd done the he lookout before the this. Yeah, yeah ten, right. T- ten things I hate about you, like lighter stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Like comedies, yeah. teen comedy type stuff. He, he had done the lookout, but I don't think that movie... And, and Brick, but I don't think either of those movies... Like, those were like cult movies, not like... Right. Those weren't big and still aren't big. Right. That's a shame, because both those movies are incredible. So... Inception. Evan, what's your number four? My number four is going to be... uh, I'm going to go with The Breakfast Club. Uh, The Breakfast Mm -hmm. Club is absolutely, you know, a great ensemble cast. Uh, You get all the characters have their own distinct... All the actors fulfill those roles so well. Ali Sheedy, 
Emilio um, Estevez, you know, as the jock. Um, Shidi being, you know, kind of the the weirdo that's like eating like sugar and Captain Crunch sandwiches. Um, and then, you know, you get Judd Nelson, who's like the, you know, just the bully dude that's, you know, you don't know his past and why he's actually, uh, you know, just need the chance, man. Um, you know, Molly Ringwald is perfect. You know, she is the 80s. Like, that is the girl that, yeah. you know is used as like this is the high school girl this is the high school dream kind of kind of girl um and they point out her pressures and stuff like that and so anyways you know all of them are great uh anthony michael hall is you know brian (laughs) the kid that you know his his story gets the deepest you know that's what really crux you know puts everyone into like understanding each other is uh you know they're all telling their story and then he's like i was ready to like do something dark (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's so, yeah, it's an excellent film uh, with and those guys. I can't think of any other actors that you could get that chemistry from as as it did. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. They're all irreplaceable. Like, there's no way to kind of interchange like. Yeah. yeah, even even with Paul Gleason as uh, as president <laughs> or not a president, uh, Principal Vern, that whole like. You know, the, you mess with the bull, you get the horns, uh, <laughs> you know, you just He's got scary. yourself another week of detention. And to, to the to the point where, like, not another teen movie just takes that scene and just recreates it. They don't, right. they, they obviously take a little bit of a liberty near the end, but it's really just doing that scene over again because it's just perfect. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, that leads us to number three. Uh, Joe, what do you got? Yeah, I think for number three, uh, it's funny, we have a lot of Quentin Tarantino here. I'm going to go with uh, Kill Bill. Kill Bill is my favorite of all the Quentin Tarantino films. It's okay. how genre bending is, and it kind of encompasses all the genres I really like, kung fu movies, samurai flicks, action films, uh, westerns, kind of like all amalgamated. Um, yeah, I think Uma Thurman is like amazing in this movie. I don't know if you could pick anybody else to do that as far as like the physicality and like what she kind of brings to it, the vulnerability she brings to it. Um, it's nice that they brought David Carradine from Kung Fu, Thought that was really really excellent choice i don't even know if that was his first actually i think that was quentin's first choice uh michael madsen i feel like he kind of phones it in unless he's in a quentin tarantino movie so he, i think he's really excellent here too yeah from daryl hannah lucy Liu, the gay fox like it's just really kind of like yeah there's like crazy international cast like then mixed up with like legends like the late sunny shiba and you know shiaki kiriyama like fresh off the heels of doing battle royal like like all these really great actors like slam together like uh like gordon Liu as well can't like not mention Gordon Liu he plays two different roles in this. Like a lot, of, a lot of people play dual roles in this movie as well. And I just love this movie. Nice. Uh, all right, that leads to my number three. Evan, you might trump me here. This is where I have Ocean's Eleven. You gonna trump that or no? Uh, you know what? I uh, I was kind of thinking as that my number one. Okay, then yeah, then trump it. All right, trumped it. Okay, then what is your number three, Evan? Uh, number three, I'm just going to go off the order I have it in. I think it works. Uh, the <laughs> Avengers. Uh, the Avengers for number three. And this one's kind of a weird movie because it's an ensemble cast, but it's an ensemble cast of characters that have already been established in other films. But the way that... And this might go to a lot of credit to like Joss Whedon and you know with the writing and making it work uh as an ensemble but you know you're taking these characters that you weren't expecting prior to iron man that you'd ever see a movie that's like taking 
uh, four big superheroes, six if you include, you know, the main, the, the first six. Uh, and they're all getting a lot of teamwork. There's a lot of moments like it's all shared screen. It's all sh- like Sure, you might get like, you know, a Robert Downey Jr. moment where it's like, hey, man, I'm, you know, who are you without the, uh, you know, Cap saying like, where, who are you without the suit? And he's like a billionaire you know, millionaire or philanthropist. I know I just butchered that. Sorry, guys. Uh, but the, you know, you still get those moments that let each actor shine, but they really do all truly assemble uh, to make a, a oh, greater team. Oh, you said it. Yeah, I went, <laughs> yeah, I went for it. I just, uh, all right, I, I would have definitely had a film on here. I just, I, I chose not to because it, om- it almost feels like a cheat. You're you're totally allowed to pick this, but it's just like this isn't the first time we've really seen these, and like I definitely didn't specify that, and nor do I think I would have. But it it, it just feels like a cheat to me personally. I just wanted to clarify, no, and, like I would totally yeah. have like Endgame on there, but I don't I don't yeah, have no, any for, Marvel on my list. Yeah, for the record, I chose the Avengers rather than like you know Infinity War or Endgame. Because those get to the excessive, like, well, this isn't an ensemble anymore. This is just we took half of Hollywood and threw it into a movie. Yeah. Uh, so, whereas the Avengers, you are still getting that, like, the team uh, yeah. of six, seven, eight, you know, with uh, Coulson and... Uh, well, and at the time, Fury. like, uh, let's see, Mark Ruffalo was respected but not well-known. Um, Scarlett Johansson was well known but not respected. <laughs> um, uh, like uh, Robert Downey Jr. is like just you know gaining back some you know his credibility, and this was kind of the one that really sealed the deal. Same with, same with Chris Evans. I mean, for different reasons, of course. Um, yeah, he was just waiting for. He was just finding his break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just finding his break, and Robert Downey was just recovering. Um, so, like, yeah, yeah, and introduced us to. Well, secondly, introduced us to. Tom uh, to Tom Hiddleston and yeah, still relative. Like this is where it also kind of like oh yeah, Chris Hemsworth. That's the guy. Like did that too. Yeah. So I mean, you know, there's twelve people right there, and you know, it's easy to yeah. That's why that's why I chose it as an ensemble because it is yeah. all of them. It combined. is. It is. I, and again, I'm not trying to negate your pick. I'm just trying to explain. Like I'm the Marvel fanboy. Why doesn't Aaron have Avengers on this list? Like it's number three. It's bronze at best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Joe. What's your number two? Number two. Uh, yeah, I'd say the Batman Nolan trilogy. Um, yeah, it's probably for like the same kind of like it's almost the same cast as Inception. It has like a lot of those kind of moving parts that are interchangeable. Like a lot of this, you know, you have Michael Caine, you have Tom Hardy, uh, uh, Marion. Like you have a lot of these people that kind of like end up in the, the later films. Like from like, I remember not even seeing the film and like seeing like kind of groundswell for it and like seeing what the cast was like and I was like, this is going to be good and uh, yeah. yeah, it didn't it didn't like you know sometimes sometimes there's like things about the film that are not like super great but like for the most part it was a solid trilogy films so yeah they got me really excited just by looking at the cast itself so yeah I think number two pick I'd have to go with uh, Batman Nolan trilogy. Yeah, and the third movie, for as much as I don't like it, like gives us two the two best scenes in Michael Caine's career, which is saying mm-hmm. something. But the scene where he says, "I failed you" at the end, yeah, and then the, the scene where he leaves and he's just like, "You know, I've buried two of them. I won't do it again." Like he's so good. Yeah, it's like uh, chills. <laughs> and everybody is so good. Yeah, you're right. There's not there's not a single miscast. I mean, maybe it would be better if they had Maggie Gyllenhaal in the first movie uh, for kids. This is just like, but I like Katie Holmes. And yeah, I think she was movie. bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great pick. Um, my number two. 
Uh, I went back and forth on two different films um, of, of one franchise, and I'm going to land... Oh, man, I'm still debating. Um, no, all right, let's do it. Uh, I'm going to land with Casino Royale. Uh, I really thought about going with Skyfall for this one because Javier Bardem is so great, and that's where we get introduced as Naomi, Naomi Harris's Money Penny and Ben Winshaw, Wishaw's Q. But we got to just respect, like, this is the first Daniel Craig movie, and as is well known uh, by me, Craig is my favorite Bond um, by by a lot <laughs> at this point. Um, and so, like, this is the first, like, this is his first movie, and, like, this is really where it gets there. But it also takes something special for Eva Green to be in a movie that you care about her five movies later over the course of, like, it was 2006, 15 years. And she's not in any of the other ones. Um, but then also, let's let's also, uh, Eva, this is Eva Green's first, like, big American role as well, Hollywood role as well. So, like, there's that. And then same could be said for Mads Mikkelsen. This is his, like, introduction to Hollywood or to American audiences. And then Jeffrey Wright is Felix Leiter as well, um, who I think is just a perfect cast. Um, those four really kind of solidify it. And, yeah, I could say, well, um, well, uh, Daniel Craig is still in Skyfall, too, and you get the Nair's not. Like, it's... I, I had to pick one, and I had to go with... Yeah, but this is the first time we get Daniel Craig, and he's so good. Casino Royale is my number two. So, yep. What do you got, Evan? Uh, my number two is going to be, since I did lock in Ocean's Eleven for number one, uh, Knives Out. Yeah. Uh, Knives Out is just chock full of characters, uh, you know, amazing actors everywhere. Uh, and they really lean into their, you know, characters in really fun ways. Uh, that and, you know, to, to bring up Daniel Craig again, uh, Daniel Craig is amazing in that movie. Um, I had no, ex I had no anticipation for like, you know, before, uh, the idea of him being funny, uh, you know, his, com and his comedic chops in this. Yeah, it's it's this one's just like so you know the voice the demeanor yeah. uh, obviously some of it's just down to the writing being so darn funny Ryan Johnson's like hilarious uh, you know the donut the donut, another donut. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh yeah it's so and obviously it's the the cast as a whole I mean. Uh, Tony Collette, Michael Shannon, yeah. Christopher Plummer, yeah. Anna de Armas. Yeah, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt Lake, is in Lake there. Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, Joseph Gordon Levitt playing. We have the nanny cam footage. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just a it's every person in there is amazing. Uh, and yeah, it's just one of those like it's like Clue, where each character actor you know gets to be that character. It's not just like here, be yourself. Uh, it's be someone else and make it all work cohesively at the same time. And uh, another movie with Chris Evans just being a wonderful, you know, movie movie star and everything. He's uh, so yeah. This knives out. That's my number two. My, I mean, obviously, like I love quoting the donut whole thing, but like my things, I always, I always quote from Knives Out that like nobody ever gets is I, I always go like the we have the nanny cam footage and yeah. people are like what are you talking about and then there's the there's the scene where Michael Shane is just like have some more cookies Hugh like it's it's so yeah. good oh everybody's and I, and I, so good in that movie. and also I want to make sure I I felt really stupid because I'm naming a bunch of you know the actors Anna de Armas is like phenomenal in it 
as yeah. well. Like she's, you know, it's a bummer knowing that Knives Out is going to be pretty much, or at least I assume I haven't read or heard anything. I'm avoiding anything about it other than it's coming. Uh, is that the only character we can probably assume we'll see is going to be Daniel Craig, you know, returning uh, as Detective Benoit Blanc. So, because all of the, I would love to see these characters again, but it wouldn't make any sense to. Right. There seemed like there, there was a hard conclusion to it. Like, yeah. And you could maybe make sense for Ana de Armas and, or the, like, Lakeith Stanfield and um, oh, the man. guy that's in all those Ryan Johnson movies that plays Boy Blue and Looper. And, yeah. yeah. You, know, you, make, you can make arguments for those three. But, yeah, like, there's no reason Jamie Lee Curtis will show up again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really good pick. Um, I, I so badly wanted to put it on my list, and I definitely would have, but I – held off for i don't know why um it's just this is such a stacked and I, I was so good but i love the screenplay more uh all right so that leads us to our number ones uh joe what you got yeah it's funny as as my number one i actually had that on my list for various reasons that you kind of already kind of combed over uh so i kind of like scanned through some other films and a movie i've only seen maybe once or twice but he uh he's cast is pretty stacked but not as stacked as like some of the other ones we've talked about, but like the people in those key roles were perfectly cast and it fits just right. Mm-hmm. It's probably the only good film with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro acting mm-hmm. across from one another, literally in the diner scene, which is mm-hmm. a very famous scene. Um, but yeah, just like great cast. Tom Sizemore is fantastic in this. Val Kilmer, of course, is amazing in it. and has one of the greatest like gun shootouts in any film I've ever seen mm-hmm. uh, as far as sound effects. But yeah, like, like I said, I can't say enough about the cast. Um, William Fitchner, then a Haysberth, like all these like other character actors, people that you've seen of other things, and Natalie Portman as well. Yeah, man, I've forgotten how to. Yeah, there's just so many people pick. in it. <laughs> yeah, great pick, great pick. Um, all right, I've thought long and hard about this, and here's what I here's what I am going to select as my number one: Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Because, and I want to pick Order of the Phoenix specifically because we have to take into account that. They cast Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grit, and Emma Watson, not knowing if they were going to be good actors. And they all turn out to be pretty good, like, especially in this role. I mean, Rupert Grit kind of stepped away from stuff, but, like, they all turned out to be, like, at least competent. Um, and some of them, great. Um, but Order of the Phoenix is also where we get introduced to um, Bellat- Bellatrix Lestrange, and Helena Bottacardum is terrific. Um, we do get Ray Fiennes and, uh, as uh, Voldemort and Michael Gambon as Dumbledore. And this is, like, serious Black. Um, he's, Gary Oldman is so good as him. Yep. You, we have Professor Lupin in there as well, and his and his wife is Infidora Tonks. Uh, this, like, Neville, this is really, like, where he comes to his own. Um, we're introduced to Luna, Lovegood. Like, Order of the Phoenix feels like the one that I want to pick, because if you pick any later, you can't include Gary Oldman. <laughs> um, right. I, yeah, and 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 again, I, I'm kind of breaking my own rules with the you know, with why I don't have a Marvel. We yeah, gotta I was, give credit. I was going like, hey man, we've got to <laughs> give credit to the fact that these casting people, when they cast three small children, and ten years later, they're really good actors. Like, is it possible that Harry Potter is like the most like just best assembled like cast for a franchise? I mean, David Tennant's in there, Brendan Gleeson, Donald Gleeson. It's every notable British actor that I've seen in there. Yeah, it's, it's, effectively, it's effectively the Avengers for the British. It's uh, who can yeah. we throw in here that's from England or, you know, yeah. from that yeah. area. But it, anyway, it's just like Order of the Phoenix to me was is just like with the people that are in it. And, and again, because it introduces um, at least Bellatrix and Luna 
Um, but it really feels like the one where, like, you start to, Order of the Phoenix feels like the ones where you start to realize, like, oh, no, all of these kids can actually act. Um, because the first one where they actually have to. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, that that's my pick, Order of the Phoenix. Uh, Evan, we already know what your number one is, so why don't you talk about Ocean's Eleven for a hot second? Yeah, so Ocean's Eleven, uh, I mean, it's just a fantastic movie. It is uh, from 2001. Uh, it's got George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, Matt Damon. Uh, I mean, there's a million actors I could list off if you know in this movie, and they all fulfill their roles perfectly. It oozes style, but it is about the team. Uh, you know, it is Ocean's Eleven for a reason. It's not just Danny Ocean's wild Vegas, you know, weekend or something. It's it's his team. Bernie Mac is amazing in it. Uh, like, so, you know, it's just getting all of these actors that, you know, they are peak smolder at that time. Uh, and it's just, it's, you say, Hey, let's do a modern day rat pack. And you go, okay, cool. Well, these guys can't sing, but they sure as hell can look really cool on screen and make you believe every moment of their charm is something that you'll never achieve. So, you know, yeah. Ocean's Eleven is just in great banter, you know, all throughout. So, and yeah, Steven Soderbergh knocks it out of the park with the style and everything. Yeah. You yeah. can't fault you with having that at number one. That's an excellent choice. Jesse Brad, Brad Pitt, eat a bunch of snacks. Yeah. It's always fun. Uh, I have just a couple honorable mentions. I think four. Um, and, and all I did was look through my favorites list. So like, I didn't even like look through my collection or anything. I looked through my favorites list and I, and I also tried to include this, whereas like movies where there are more than just like, um, I, I tried to think more than five, um, like that are perfect. Like the nice guys are my favorite movie of all time. And like everybody in that movie is great, but I wouldn't really call that an ensemble. Um, you know, even though it technically is, but I was thinking like, no, you gotta have like five or six notable lengthy screen time people. Uh, yeah. So um, I have Zombieland here because those four are perfect. Um, and then you, oh, of course you have the Bill Murray stuff too. Um, I also have Superbad because Superbad is one of those incredible movies. Like, we, you know, we're again, kind of that Michael Sarah Renaissance. And uh, my favorite part of that movie is the Bill Hader and uh, Seth Rogen is coming. Oh, absolutely. I'd watch, <laughs> come out with a series of that any day, make it them just on patrol, and I would watch that in <laughs> a heartbeat. Me too, me too. But yeah, and, and even like uh, Joe Latrugio, um as the like creepy guy that takes him to Richie's party. <laughs> He's so good. Um, <laughs> and, and, and Emma Stone as well, again, in Superbad. Yeah. Um, this cast is awesome. I like how he made a career of like playing that weird, quirky, kind of creepy guy. Because I'm Brooklyn <laughs> Nine, he's so good. He did. He really did. Uh, and then I, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, that one's not a cheat because that is introducing them entirely. There are no carryover characters. Um, which I'm, I might have like put high on the list if I'd thought about it earlier. Uh, and then um, I wanted to get at least one animated film in there, and uh, I have Inside Out. Um, yep. I probably could have gone Toy Story, but just Inside Out is one of those sneaky good ones, and I want to give it some love because um, uh, Richard Kind, uh, Richard Kind plays Bing Bong, right? Yeah. Um, either way, the guy that plays Bing Bong, I'm almost positive. Yeah, it is Richard. Nice. Um, but Phyllis Smith playing Sadness, Rashida Jones is the cool girl, Mindy Kaling is disgust, Amy Poehler is joy, Louis Black at anger. Bill Hader is fear. You you don't don't cast this movie any better. Um, it this movie is just 
So uh, it's my favorite Pixar movie, and a lot of it is based. So, uh, yeah. Any other ones you guys wanted to throw out super quick? Uh, quick shout outs. I got Lord of the Rings. You yeah. know, name one. Uh, but again, that kind of <laughs> goes, <laughs> that kind of, you know, that's just an epic story. And so obviously it requires an ensemble, but uh, I, I didn't choose that one just because it's a big story that needs a lot of characters, not a story that includes a lot of characters that tells a great story. Mm. That makes sense. Okay. Someone, at, I don't know. That, I'm just not as big of fans of the movies. That's why I didn't put them there. Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna catch some flack for this for sure. <laughs> yeah, and and where do you argue like what's an ensemble versus just a really well cast film? So yeah. I tried to think of things that had like a team or some kind of like they need each other to fulfill something, not just yep. we have a yeah for sure. Any other ones? Yeah, one that kind of escaped me, but I think probably didn't think about it for the very reasons like. Not talking about like the Avengers or Lord of the Rings, like ones that I like really stand on my mind. But Black Panther, like, yeah, ev- everybody in that film is like, if you didn't be asked to be in this movie, like, what did you do wrong? Like, it's literally like every top black actor you could think of, like an amazing cast. Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick Boseman, Angela, Angela Guerrero, Bassett, Angela yeah, Bassett, um, Daniel Kaluuya, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. Martin Campbell and Andy Serkis. <laughs> and, and yeah, it, it brought us the the treasure that is Chadwick Boseman. The late Chadwick Boseman yeah. guy's amazing. So yeah, like yeah, that one. I don't know why it escaped me, but like I said, probably for the very reasons. Like it's just it's it's on the nose. Like it's it's it doesn't have to be said. Like that's one of the strongest aspects of that film. That cast. Yeah, and I think again, give, get, by the time this episode releases, I'll probably be like, oh, I forgot about that movie. That would have been my number like one or two or whatever. You know, just you know, we're gonna have that experience. And you know, there's somebody at home screaming like, why isn't somebody mentioning <laughs> the Hunt for Red October? Like. You know, uh, it's great cast, but yeah, rat, why didn't you say rat race? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know there's people just screaming at home, like, and, and like, that's fine, just scream away. I'll, um, yeah. we will know. hear you in the comments down below. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it's time for the spin off then on that note. So, uh, um, Evan, let's start with you. What is that one thing in any year of pop culture that you're really trying to tell everybody to check out or to stay away from? Uh, you know, so I went with a music thing this time around. I'm not known for being huge on music, but uh, it also fits really well with the Scott Pilgrim vibe of this uh, this episode is a band called I Fight Dragons. Mm-hmm. They are a band that's been around for a while now, uh, but they are very good at using chiptune and like that, like MIDI video game sounds, stuff like that. Well, uh, rocking it out pretty darn hard. Uh, they also have a specifically, you know, movie related look up the song, the power of love that they do. And it gets that chiptune. It's got a little bit of funk to it. It is uh, super rad. Um, so check that one out and then look at the rest of their discography and, you know, songs. Cause it's a really cool band. Uh, and I'm super happy. I stumbled upon them a while ago. Thanks. Uh, Joe, what about you? Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Cause the thing I have is also like, uh, has to do with music. Um, it's song exploder on Netflix. Um, uh, Okay. It's, I believe it's based off of a podcast, but it kind of like explores the kind of narrative and like the creative kind of backing behind these like really iconic songs, like songs from Dua Lipa, The Killers, Nice Nails, um, Alicia Keys, Lin Manuel, and uh, REM, just to name a few of them. Um, I just watched the REM one, uh, Losing My Religion, which is was really awesome. Uh, to kind of see like the kind of creative forces behind that. Um, so yeah, 
Yeah, go check that out. It's on Netflix. And uh, yeah, obviously, since we talked about Scott Pilgrim, check out the graphic novel, check out the video game for a chance. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't have a music-related thing. I'm sorry. Uh, but I, um, I should have talked about this last week. Um, uh, I think I just forgot that I watched it, but, um, if you're like me and you really enjoy the Jackass movies, um, 4.5 is on Netflix now. And I normally don't like care too much for these 0.5 things, but I gotta say, I liked 4.5 just as much as I liked four. Um, you're going to have some of the gross stuff, which is this, you know, some, it's it, not everything works for me. Uh, of these movies i don't think i don't think there's a single person out there that everything's um but i for the most part really enjoy these movies and there's times that it makes me cackle um to the <laughs> point that i hurt um and that happened when i saw four in the theaters and that happened when i saw 4.5 alone at home um i laughed really hard um specifically like there's a back-to-back um there's an elephant gun let's just say that and then and then there's a there's a there's a thing having to do with the swing set that both of them just just killed me. Um, so it's it's probably about the same like content stuff that you would have like seen during the the fourth one. Uh, if you can stomach it for that, just check this out. It's on Netflix. Um, it it feels kind of like what you're describing the inside outtakes of Bo Burnham, where it's like it's kind of just the stuff that didn't make the final cut. Normally, these point fives have been like really like documentaries and outtakes from the like doc- behind the scenes and outtake stuff from from the from the cup f- first couple movies but like this really feels almost like almost like jackass five um almost like if they just filmed two films together instead of one and it also kind of gives you insight into like what happened when they started filming and then covid happened mm-hmm. uh and then how they chose to address that it's it's a lot a lot a lot of fun i had a good time have either of you guys seen this one yet i haven't even seen forever yet i want to see it um, do they talk about the the reason why Johnny Knoxville just like screw it? I'm not gonna dye my hair anymore. It just like decides yeah. just to go gray. Uh, <laughs> well, they they at least acknowledge it. They're just like we went into lockdown and he had black hair and then he came out and then he had gray hair. And we're like, <laughs> all right, I guess just the thing that. So they talk about that a little bit, but yeah, they uh, um, four is on Paramount Plus and then four point five is because there's a contract with Netflix. Um, it goes on Netflix for a while first, and then eventually plus. But uh, if you've seen four, Evan, have you seen it yet? Uh, I did watch four. I rented it. It's funny because you mentioned it on Twitter, uh, and I was like, "Is four point five the same?" And I realized it wasn't. So I went with the first one first. Yeah. So I have call. to check out four point five. Uh, but yeah, it's it was also fun watching it with my wife because she's like, one, there's a lot more of some stuff than I anticipated seeing. <laughs> uh and then there was also uh a lot more of the other stuff that i wasn't anticipating seeing as much as we got in this film so yeah they really pushed the envelope she was like how did this get rated r and so it became a discussion of like what is sexual content versus just human anatomy uh and how like the American center system is just very bizarre with the rules of, you know, you can say the F word once if with this context, but another context is immediately R and you can totally get away with showing all this stuff in a R not NC 17 kind of film. So it really is frustrating. Um, yeah, no, you'll see about the same amount of stuff that you will. And okay. I think there's even, let's just describe it as a ping pong paddle. Um, sequence where where you see like behind the scenes stuff okay Um, so some of of it is the same some of it is new it's it's just as vulgar um but you know what you're getting into when you watch these but but yeah 4.5 is a delight 
Um, if you're into that kind of stuff. It's on my list. Yeah. Uh, and a brisk hour and a half. So there you go. Well, that's a wrap. Quick reminder that, uh, nope. Uh, remember that you can follow guests at the provided places uh, at the top of the show. So uh, follow Joe on Instagram and then Evan on Twitter and Letterboxd. And um, uh, I'll have those in the show description. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter or Letterboxd at Schweitkastle. And uh, you, quick reminder that Sip Pop Rivers Room is, the part, is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you want to write for SipPop.com, get in contact with us for the show. You can send us a question to explore during the B-plot. Email writersroom at SipPop.com. And please, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave us a review while you're listening over there. Uh, next week, uh, we'll do some TV catch-up with uh, Nick and Sam. I imagine we'll talk Obi-Wan. I imagine we'll talk Barry. We're definitely talking Under the Banner of Heaven. Uh, probably some This Is Us talks. So just a couple things that if you're looking for something to watch. Um, yeah. Um, all of those things would be would be good ideas. Uh, and the new season of America's Got Talent because I am a sucker. Um <laughs> Uh, all that stuff um, next week on the TV catch up, and then next month, uh, Joe and I haven't figured it out, but we'll we'll talk something comic. So yeah, we'll, we'll figure uh, something out. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Um, now that now that we don't schedule these things out month in advance, months in advance, it's like, well, what do you want to talk about? So we'll let you know as we get closer. But um, that'll do it. Hey, thanks guys for joining me. I appreciate it. I had a good time talking with you. Likewise, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, um, and uh, thank you, listeners for uh, sticking around for this long, for, for dealing with uh, us and, and me and talking about a movie that I haven't seen in a year and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and definitely missing some of your favorite films in our uh, ensemble cast things, but uh, we'll catch you next week and, uh, and, and next month. Is-